Welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, thank you for the gift of Easter. Thank you for the gift of your victory over sin and death. Lord, help us never to lose sight of the reality that uh, you have won the victory. The, the battle was yours. You have fought the good fight. You have run the race and you have won. And that you call us into the same path. You call us along that path of passion, death to resurrection. Lord, give us the grace not to be afraid of that path. Give us the grace of not being afraid of looking to this as a spiritual realm uh, rather than a merely human, fleshly, political reality. Lord, uh, thank you in advance for all that you'll do. I ask you, Lord, to bless the moms that are out there listening. Bless all of our moms. Anoint them, Lord, for, um, uh, for the work that is theirs in their vocation. Lord, bless them. And, and I ask, Lord, that there'd be many, many hearts and voices full of gratitude, in, not just in uh, thought and word, but also in deed, to express uh, loving gratitude to mothers. And we pray for mothers as well who've gone before us in faith that they would be enjoying eternal life with you, Father, in heaven. We pray for those that have fallen from the faith that they would return. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. And with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen and amen. Carrie, it is great to have you on. It's been a long time. Has it? It has. It feels like, well, how long? Is it? Were you on two weeks ago? Uh, yes. On a, I think you were on a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then there was the hiatus before that as well. So, But lots to cover today, just catching up with what's been going on in our lives, in our lives of faith. And uh, um, I just want to dive in, get started. So let's go. Let's where, go. Where do you want to start? You've got the you've got the master list, the master agenda. Uh, I'm ready to talk all about Mother's Day and all the special things <laughs> that will be happening. I mean, okay, how do we let's not, do that. How do we not do that? <laughs> let's right? just talk like, about me for a half hour. <laughs> yeah, we are not going to do that. Actually, you heard, what did you, uh, Angela Conley was on yesterday with a crowded table, 52 stories of uh, women who uh, are open to mothering many. Uh, I thought that was cool. I really enjoyed it. She's great. I love her cheerleading spirit. I can see how she gets a lot done. You just want to follow after her and say, what else can we do? What's next? So I love her uh, sense of vision Well, for it's, what's possible. And determination. Yes, right? that definitely. Vision and determination. My goodness. Let's go, right? She's a get something done um, kind of person, which is, it's a beautiful spirit. We need that today for sure. So Carrie, we, uh, you heard about our family meeting. You wanted to know what was happening. <laughs> I know. I hate surprises. Yeah. That's okay. I'm excited that you're actually talking about doing something. So did you, did you hear that part of the interview? Yes. Did you heard me disclose? Yes. How awful my birthday was. Yes. Oh, I, I confirmed ouch. that. Ouch. So you did. So I didn't you, think you were, Valentine's Day was So it's not really that much of a surprise then because we kind of already shared I shared yesterday. What? Oh, no, 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 no. There's lots of opportunities for surprises. <laughs> this is just the oh, planning no. stage. Surprise. No details. Yeah, there's, surprise. There's the there is surprise. nothing. Honey, honey. You just <laughs> think surprises. you heard about the surprises. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I need prayers. I need lots of prayers. Uh, the, I ended the program yesterday. No, no. At the very beginning of the program, I mentioned a picture of my mother, not as a 77-year-old when she died, not in the sort of prime of her life as I think of her as my mother, but as a seven-year-old. And it just was, a, it was poignant to look her in the eyes in the photo and just, just be like in looking at her saying, I know the life you're going to live. I know the life, the path and the journey you're going to walk in your life. There you are, a seven-year-old smiling with just the innocence of someone that age. And to think about the things that she would undergo and suffer, the blessings and the gifts that would come, the, the man that she would meet and marry, the kids that she would have, the being the grandmother and a great-grandmother, and then um, uh, getting cancer at the end of her life and, and dying a very after a short, just a few months of battling against cancer. Um, it was, you know, it was so interesting to look at that picture and just see a whole life in front of her 
and knowing what it was going to be like. What's so interesting is our kids are going to look at pictures or their kids will look at pictures or videos of them as a four, five, six, seven-year-old that they'll actually be watching clips of their grandma or mom, which is so, it'd be so interesting to see a video clip of your mom at that age. But what's also interesting, Tom, as you say that is, I've looked at photos of my mom when she was seven. And I think now that I'm in my 50s, and I'm nearing like the halfway point or a little bit beyond that. Honey, you're, you're over half. I'm okay. sorry. It's you fine. are not going to live to 104. Okay. Thank okay. the Lord. I don't want to be here Thank that long. Thank the Lord. Yes. <laughs> make it really difficult for us to hang on. It'd be very painful. But just to um, think of that photo now as a mother that now has kids in her 20s, and we're not grandparents yet, but we've been through a lot in the last 10 years. And I think anybody in our that's around our age, you've just seen a lot more and experienced a lot more. So you can really look at those, your mom, and know just how um, that vocation of motherhood is so rich, so hard, so beautiful, so messy. And I don't know, I just have this heart to come alongside her and say, Mom, you did a good job. You did, and I hate when people say, oh, you did the best you could. <laughs> it just sounds like, really? But I know I'm not doing the best I can, so <laughs> don't say that. But just to say, God I say? loves you. Yes. He's so proud of you as his creation. And it's not, oh, he's so proud of that you messed up or you had these areas where you could have done better. But no, just the love that he sees you with and your openness to life and the, the, the life you led bringing your kids to faith. That was the most important thing. To your mother, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but that, that how proud he is of her. I think as moms, we're a lot quicker to look at our limits or to see where we could improve or to look at other moms and think, why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing that? I think that's that natural comparative, competitive um, thing. And I know we all deal with that, especially with all that we see on social media. And it's a constant area where we need to repent of and to say, God, how can I just be so grateful for, you know, ABC that happened today in my life? Just the little things that happened today. My daughter gave me a hug as she got out of the car. I was able to drive my kids to school and talk about a beautiful concept. I was able to go to mass. I mean, just the little things to be grateful for and not focus on what about this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And the this, that, and the other thing are oftentimes the gaps Right, we call them the gaps, the gift and the gaps, the gaps where the kids are falling short, uh, in particular, or uh, the things that we fall short in. And uh, you're right; it is easy to recognize the ways that we're settling for less, or just we, we stumble and we're weak and we're broken. And yet, the Lord wants to intervene, enter into. Uh, our lives in, in deeper ways. And it's often, I think, at those places where we realize that. Well, we realize we're broken. I mean, we realize we're not enough. It's not sufficient. Uh, I'm failing. I'm falling short. That we're more likely to turn to the Lord because we realize we're not independent. Yeah, I agree. I think those, not that I want cancer, I want you to get a brain tumor, nothing like that, Lord. <laughs> just careful what you ask for. Hey, isn't a concussion enough? <laughs> it's concussion. You just get me ready for the big whatever it is. Uh, yeah, but for sure, Tom. So uh, you, when you think about being a mother, um, there also is the reality of fatherhood and spiritual fatherhood. I, I'm going to shift our, I'm going to shift our direction a little bit. We're going to come back to Mother Mother's Day a little bit later in the program. Are you smiling? You think we're never going to get back to it? No, <laughs> I don't need to talk about me. Even though... You would think the opposite, that I do want to talk about me. I really don't want to talk about me. But I yeah. jokingly say, oh, let's talk about me. Well, I was, I was going to be talking about Mother's Day and just how, <laughs> uh, you know, biggest tips. Like, if, do you have tips for guys for Mother's Day? Oh, if they haven't figured it out now, there's no, there's no use. There's no hope for them. <laughs> there are a lot of guys that are new at this. Go Google it. Google it. Okay. <laughs> 
well, I could say this. It's funny to do Google stuff. Do not get up at 6.30 in the morning on Mother's Day and go to Safeway and get a, okay, get a bunch of roses. Okay, I think given that advice every year. So if they have not picked up on that clue, then there is actually no hope. Maybe they weren't listening the other years. There's, <laughs> I think I just saved at least one guy from a lot of trouble. You're welcome. Okay. Isn't that interesting that so many hearts get broken on Mother's Day when it's supposed to be about mothers and the expectations are so high and then that's where you are completely being wounds yeah they need to do that whole religion theology where you just have no expectations no passions no uh sense of it's called indifferentia yeah (laughs) it's detachment it's total detachment from mother's day and being celebrated i think we should pray for that i think (laughs) that would be a good one i'm laughing at the um, (laughs) lord has led us down this trail for that purpose alone i have to say i'm on this um facebook page it's big catholic families and there's so many so many broken marriages right now i don't know what's going on but story after story of divorce heartache uh marital strife and suffering and difficulty and it's not that it surprises me i know how easy it is for us to fall into a space where we're just like how did we get here again and how do you get out and there's the pain and the release and the surrender and the uh, repentance, all that, that refining that it's, it's a fire for sure. And um, I don't know why, but right now I just have just read way too many stories of people going through really hard times. And I think Mother's Day is a, also a time where some of the stuff just gets surfaced in an explosive way. And after Mother's Day, all the stories of, he forgot about me. My kids didn't do anything for me. What is wrong with my family? How did, and I don't know. It's it's making me sad just thinking about it because I'm going to have the most amazing Mother's Day because you had a oh, family no. meeting. This is not going in the direction I want. That was a not on our outline. I don't know how we stumbled into that. Oh. So guys, pay attention to your wife's love language. Very simple guidance. What is their love language? Do that. Okay. So acts of service, gift giving, Quality time. It's so simple. It really is simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yeah, I think you're it's right. Simple. The gospel's simple. It's not easy. It is a suffering. Yeah. Well, Carrie, I uh, I want to go down the trail of spiritual fatherhood. I know that Mother's Day is coming up, but one of the areas where we're catching up with your life is that you felt called. And, and to be honest with you, I don't even remember how it came into your life. Oh, it was Mother, uh, Mother Catherine Joseph. Uh, she from the um, Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Church. Didn't she come to you and say, you have to read the Consecration of St. Joseph book? She encouraged me to do it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I finally finished the Consecration on Easter, that Holy Week, which I think was about three weeks late. I don't know. I got it done, though. I fin- <laughs> finally you made finished. made it to Egypt. I made, made it across the finish line. What I really liked about that book um, and that Consecration is... It is a whole journey of getting to know St. Joseph as a person, as a holy saint. And he, Father Calloway does an amazing job of giving you all sorts of historical writings and prayers and devotions by uh, different church members. So you really do come away feeling, wow, I know this person. It, it's so interesting because you don't know much about him. But my, one of my favorite things about him is... The word Joseph means increase. Did you know that? I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so he's known as the increaser. And he quotes in there, Jesus increased in stature before God and man under the care of Mary and Joseph. And there's a sense of, I want to increase in virtue and holiness and under the care of Mary and Joseph. And there's a hopefulness in that whole devotion of growing with a community. Well, you have Mary and Joseph. You already feel like you're a communion of saints. You got two people. It's not just me and Jesus. Hey, it's called the Holy Family. <laughs> the Holy Family and Jesus. You do but, remember we consecrated our marriage to the Holy Family when when we got engaged. Did we? Oh, my goodness. Where did we do at, that? We went to Mass in the, in the crypt church at okay. the Basilica. We went and we were kneeling down in front of the tabernacle, and then I got down on one knee and I asked you to marry me, gave you the ring, and then from there we walked over to the fresco of the Holy Family, and we prayed a prayer consecrating our time of engagement and our entire marriage to the Holy Family. 
that we would be become I'm sane. so glad you have a good memory. Yes. So uh, I, 27 years later, I'm glad you're catching up. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> so difficult. But part of that whole consecration to St. Joseph is just a recovery of my relationship with my own father and finding healing in that. Oh, wow. I want to hear more about that, but we'll have to do that after the break. This is Tom Kern along with my wife, Carrie. And uh, on this Friday before Mother's Day, we're talking a little bit right now about fathers in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. I'm joined by my lovely wife and my loving wife, Carrie, the mother of my children. I love that. It sounds so corny. <laughs> so... I, that's sweet. It's sweet corn. It's sweet, it's corn. sweet corn. It's not... It's not corny, it's sweet corn. Okay. Well, you were mentioning just before the break about the way in which your walking the path of consecration to St. Joseph yielded a healing. It yielded um, an insight into your relationship with your own father, which was a surprise, unexpected, but an incredible blessing. I want to hear more. Because I I have, folks, I haven't heard anything about this. So I'm, I'm... on pins and needles. Wait, don't expect too much. Just lower those expectations. That detachment thing that you indifference. Yeah. <laughs> indifference. Yes. <laughs> Saint Ignatius, pray for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super simple, and it's maybe profound, but it's very simple. Um, my year, my word for the year is healing, and I sensed that I was supposed to go back and find the letters that my dad wrote to me when I was in college, and through the words that he wrote, have a sense of who God the Father was to me. And it's not that I felt that I had a bad relationship with my dad. I just don't remember. <laughs> I just don't remember how great it was. I have a, a bad memory, I guess. And so as what's so powerful is you can go back and read words that someone's written to you, and it evokes all these emotions and recalls a place back in time that almost brings it to the present. And I feel like even more so now that he's gone home to heaven that I feel like he's with us or watching over us or on, on he's like cheering, cheering us on. Um, and so it even feels more profound to have these letters that he's written. Anyhow, there's several of them and it's not even the complication or the longevity or the length of the letters. It's more just the simplicity of it. Um, for example, do you want me to read this yeah, little please. part? I'm not going to read that whole thing. <laughs> um, he just says, this was, Hi, Carrie. Carrie's coming home. Every day, Christine repeats this over and over. I guess we all miss you. But more important, we all love you. So just that simple word. Isn't that crazy? It makes me (laughs) teary-eyed. It doesn't take much. Um, No, I think it brings me back to just how proud my dad was of the fact that I went to Franciscan. Another letter he writes, we all miss you, especially me. Seems like ages since you were here. I just got home from Mass at Holy Family. I guess I'm in love with the church. Father, a beautiful priest, a church that um, really turns me on. You have always been very special to me. I suppose it's because your personality blends with mine. I'm so proud of you. (sighs) And most grateful that you are at Franciscan. He says Steubenville, but back then it was called Steubenville. Now it's Franciscan. Um. Then he goes on to give me a big lecture about the Catholic Church. (laughs) I won't read that. Um, But just having your father say, I'm so proud of you. you, I miss you and I love you. Having your mother say, I'm so proud of you, I miss you and I love you. I don't think we as parents realize how important our words are to our children. So so part of the healing is I thought there was a healing that was going to happen to my heavenly father, not that it needs healing, but just something that needs to be worked out. There's stuff that I just don't know about because I just don't know. You don't know the healing you need because you would seek it out if you knew it, I guess. And um, what I'm finding is the Lord's wanting to help me, heal me as a mother to my own children, that there is woundedness or there are things that I could have him work on and allow him to work through me. Um, a sense of celebration, a sense of, I love you, I miss you, you're, you're worthy. And I didn't realize how much my kids needed to hear that from me until I was reading it from my dad, thinking, what? 
<laughs> How do these words have so much impact on me when, of course, you know that your parents love you, right? But when you read it and you, you meditate on it, or they've gone on in life to, they've passed away, it, it just has such a powerful impact. I think the, the meaning, the value, and the impact of letters is lost. It's not the same as an email, because this is handwritten. And so just all by itself, it's more real. You know that your dad touched that paper, took pen in hand, and took the time and effort to write a multi-page letter to you, and did that more than once in your life. And you treasure those letters. It's not like, oh, I'm going to treasure these emails. I'm going to star them and put them into a special file um, and print them out. It just doesn't have the same degree of personalization and real meaningfulness. I, I love that everyone's signature is different and unique and everyone's handwriting. I can tell which of my children wrote something just by their handwriting. I mean, there's billions of people on the earth and everyone's handwriting is is it's different. Uniqueness, just yeah. everything is so unique about every, your smile, the way you walk your voice, how you, like, how I sound. Um, of course, you know, you can go to the DNA, the fingerprint and all that, but you're unique in so many different ways. Just a peop someone's walk. I was noticing all the people walking back from communion. I know I should have been praying to Jesus. I was just thanking him for each person. But I was just noticing each person had such a unique, like, glide or step gate. or gate. In the, yeah, gate would be the right word. And it was really fascinating to think, Lord, you're so uniquely, intimately, purposefully creative in how you've made us. And so anyhow, I love that it is my dad's handwriting. He wrote this, Tom, to you. Do you want to hear it? Oh, boy. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't even think you knew it. So this is in 94. So we were just, how many months were we married at that time? When in 94? April. It was before we were married. Oh, <laughs> We were engaged. We engaged. were one okay. month engaged. That's good. He says, uh, he's talking about God's love um, and we, how we must do everything possible to imitate it. Your love for Tom and his love for you will come as close as possible to his. That is why he made us man and woman, husband and wife, to reflect his love. How you treat each other is so important because it is your reflection of his love. God should not only be the cornerstone, but the foundation upon which your commitment to each other is based. I have faith in you, Carrie. And as far as I am concerned, you have picked the perfect mate in Tom. God will truly bless this union, and he expects you to lead an example for all. I bless you and Tom. Dad, did you know he wrote that? Isn't that sweet? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to rush it, but it's just... A, so my dad's letters I miss are... That. What did he say about me again? <laughs> what did he say something about perfect? Something perfect? I've chosen the perfect mate. Oh, You're perfect it, for me. Yeah, You're not yeah. perfect. Darn it. I, I didn't interpret it like that. Of course so. you did. I never heard that before. Why are you hiding these letters? Why did it take 27 and a half years of marriage before you reveal that beautiful letter? I don't know. I it's, just... It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anything else you want to reveal live on the radio? Uh, no, okay, but so isn't that beautiful? It is beautiful. So here's a story about the impact of letters. Uh, I When I went to study in Rome, my junior, my uh, for three years, graduate school, I, um, I wrote a letter to my sister who was really struggling, one of my sisters at the time, really struggling and, and um, rebelling. And um, when I got home, it was, uh, it was either two years later, because that's when I, the first time I could come home, or three years after I had finished, one or the other. Um, I can remember going to like wake her up to go to church or something like that. And she was still in her rebellious state, really struggling with life. And I went up to wake her up and she had fallen asleep. She'd got home really late. And in her hand was the letter I had written. I couldn't believe that. I had no idea. She had never mentioned the letter to me. But in the letter, I had shared with her the way that I saw her. And I quoted a scripture from the Book of Wisdom that talked about like how beautiful wisdom is. And those words on that page struck her so deeply that she kept it. And who knows how often went back to it. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. You know, when it says that 
the word um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I, I really feel that there's a way in which words carry so much, they can carry so much power and healing, especially when you have that handwritten and it's a, a word of encouragement that you really pray about, that you really say, Lord, I want to speak a beautiful word to my brother or sister. And I've re- received letters from siblings that have been so powerful. And I know that that's one of the methods they use on those retreats at the high school level, the search retreats, is they have all these letters come to you from your parents, grandparents, godparents, siblings, aunts, uncles, to speak life, to speak encouragement, to, to set free. Do you remember what the name of those letters are? Polanka. Polanka. Do you remember what Polanka references? Uh, no, Tom. So Polanka comes from a Curcio, <laughs> right, that movement. And a Polanka is a pivot. Never so a chance to... In a seesaw, there's the pivot. And the idea is that the letters are put on one side of the seesaw, and they're meant, they carry so much weight that they will lift up the person who receives them. So that's why they're called palanka, is that they're meant to be uplifting. And it just points to the power of authentic speech put, in, putting, put into writing in a personal way. The power that has to lift up, to celebrate, to affirm, to set free, to heal. It heals. It's, it's that sense that I am seen, I'm known, and all the places where especially in those teen years where I feel unseen and unknown and isolated. And do people even know who I am? Do, am I worth? Am I, do I have value? And I feel like sometimes in the pace of our life here in America, it's not that we don't say I love you to our children. And it's not that they don't know that they're celebrated and loved. But is it done in a way where you go into the depths and you uncover and unfold and it has a... It's a, it's a creative process to to share with your child or to share with your spouse or a sibling the gift they are, the beauty that they hold. And it takes time. It's, it's work. And I just don't think we're willing always to, to value that. And I, I guess in receiving these letters from my dad, even though they're really simple, I'm just amazed at the power that they hold over me. Yeah. Well, if you listen to yesterday's program, you know that one of the gifts— one of the surprises of Mother's Day this year is that each of the kids are going to write you a letter. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, well, you weren't listening too closely then to, <laughs> the, to the radio. I was listening to you, and I was also talking on the phone. Uh, maybe I didn't actually I was... disclose that. <laughs> no, maybe you didn't. I, I kept it a little more secret. <laughs> but the idea is to make it more than just you get a card that has the words on it, and then you sign it and maybe decorate it a little bit. But I I said to each of the kids, take time, take the time you need to put a personal stamp on this communication with your mother. I don't think kids know how to do that well. And I I know Mary Grace is excellent at it, and she's an adult. Um, Ariana's gotten better at it. John Mark has a natural gift for it. But I just don't think kids are able to identify and name all the ways that mom gives to them. So it really is the dad who has to stop and think and reflect and even say to them, and this is not to set up Mother's Day. This is just hot. My seat's getting hotter. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. But. This is just for anyone you want to celebrate is to just pray through the week and notice that spouse. What well, does we, he or she do that you just take for granted? I asked, you, for the, I asked the older kids to help the younger kids. The younger kids were insistent that they knew what to do. Because they're going to thank you for taking them to Wendy's. (laughs) Bringing Wendy's, taking me to Wendy's, buying me clothes. (laughs) Thank you for the stuff that you do for me that I enjoy. It tends to be the the affirmation. Um, There's a reason why I also did it early in the week. And that's because of a really cool thing happening at the Oaks. Coming up uh, beginning on Friday night. Yes. Is it Friday night and then Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and then continuing on the next week. Also on Friday night and then Saturday afternoon and evening. What am I talking about? Uh, the play. They're doing the Oliver Twist. The musical. Yes. Musical play. The spring musical, which is put on by the whole school and some of the teachers and some of the grandparents that are in it. And, and some of the parents. Parents. It, it's amazing the production they put together. It is, and I have to say, better than high school plays that I've been to that have been really phenomenal. And it's hard to even imagine it being better than like a Bellarmine play, which are pretty amazing, the talent that 
those kids have when it comes to performance arts, but it is better. It is so amazing because um, it's a performance arts school. You have a lot of, and I don't know what people know about the Oaks, but during the school day, kids get trained in voice, get trained in acting. They have after school classes in dance, theater, performance. As well as musical instruments. They have band. They have the band, but the band is not. They have choir with their training. Yeah, but the the orchestra they have is a professional orchestra that they bring in, which is amazing. Just so fun to hear these like 10, 15, I don't even know how many instruments. It's beyond my, my uh, skill level. But, um, and then the, uh, the staging, the costumes, the, just the fun that the kids are having. The younger kids can't wait to get into the play. And then they look or up to the older kids. What you don't typically have in a school is, you know, second grade through 12th grade putting on a performance. It's usually you just have the high school kids or it's a grammar school and only the junior high get to do it. Um, but this is, they include all the kids and they do a fall um, play and then they do a spring musical. So there is a way in which this anticipation and excitement and trying to achieve excellence grows within the school community, within the halls and the classrooms and the competition of of getting better to actually make it to the stage to be able to perform. And so three of our kids are in the play as just, I don't know, like... Extras? Yeah, they're in like three or four or five scenes. Not They don't have any lines, but they sing all the songs. Um, But Oliver Twist is a beautiful story. And in my way of looking at it, I think it's really holy. And I think it's just the way I've seen the story. Now, maybe I don't remember it perfectly. I listened to the book on tape last year with the kids. But it's actually a beautiful story about Charles light. Charles Dickens is amazing. Light so. and purity shining in the darkness. Oh, that's cool. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll pick up from here on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Karn. It's great to be with you. Carrie, you were mentioning just at the end there the way in which uh, reading Oliver Twist or hearing it as an audio book, it was, it was about healing and about purity. I did I tell you the book that one of the books that had the biggest impact on me in terms of understanding who God the Father is? No. It's a Charles Dickens book, David Copperfield. And it's amazing. There's a story in there of a wayward daughter and the father pursues this daughter all over Europe. And at the end, one of the last scenes in the book is the father sailing to America and providing cover over the daughter to give her a fresh start and a new beginning. And he sacrificed everything for the sake of the wayward daughter and recovering her. And the way that Charles Dickens unfolds the story and then he just gets woven into it, woven into it, woven into it. It gave me a human experience through fiction of the divine reality of God the Father. I, it was one of those things that I didn't really appreciate um, growing up. I grew up in kind of a narrow stream of education. It was much more STEM. And so when I went, when I shifted to the seminary and I started on the liberal arts track, philosophy and theology, literature became much more prominent to me. And the idea of grace builds on nature, meaning the supernatural life of God builds upon a human foundation, that human formation is really important. And human formation, part of how you get formed well as a human being is by reading excellent human products like David Copperfield. So I took upon myself the path of going to museums and seeing the great works of art, great works of architecture. Being in Rome was easy. It helped helped that along quite a bit. Versus (laughs) Spokane. Yeah. And then, but literature is available to everybody. And Correct. so I started to work my way through. Yes. Brother Randall reads 100 books that anybody who's literate or cultured should have read. And in encountering, I remember how enriching just at a human level, I say just at a human level, I felt like I was widening the foundation so that I could build higher. And it wasn't too late. You were in your 20s. Yeah, I was in my early 20s. So I, I feel like it's never too late, even at our age where it's so convenient to watch a show at night and not pick up a book. 
And, you know, there are all these studies are coming out that people are reading less and less and less, even the generations oh, below wow. us because it makes of sense. technology. I, I hadn't read that, but it would make sense. I hadn't read that. <laughs> I hadn't scrolled through the article online to see that, but I believe that. That the does make sense. Book. Well, in Oliver Twist, he's this beautiful, sweet boy who, I, in my take of it, and I've not read anything about what it meant, but I just remember how pure of heart and good natured he was. And he goes into this, um, is it Fagan's gang? And all these boys are thieves and they're pickpockets and they're trying to raise money for Fagan. But all of them are drawn to his goodness and his beauty that Fagan doesn't even want him to do the bad deeds. He's afraid that he'll get caught and he's trying to protect him. And he doesn't want to corrupt him because he sees the light that he is. And then uh, a couple of the girls that are in the the scenes, the ladies, they fall in love with his goodness and they want to protect him as well. And so he's this light that shines in the darkness because they're the very low life of London or wherever it takes place. Okay, so now I'm sure this is obvious to you. You've probably thought of it. Uh-oh. But the what's the key <laughs> about Oliver? That Oliver, who's someone who does embody and radiate goodness introduces goodness and draws forth goodness from the lives yes, of those he does. who are uh, embodiments of a sin, whether it's stealing, committing adultery, uh, other, like they're embodiments of evil. And yet when he comes there, he introduces and draws forth goodness from them. Isn't that a twist? What's his last name? So it's purposeful that it's Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. Turns him around. Yeah, Oliver Twist. He twists around the characters that he meets, that goodness can twist around. Because you know what the word for repentance is? It's to turn around. Well, I think this really relates to this abortion issue that's upon us right now and all that's going on in the media. Um, you know, I, I really hesitate to talk about certain political things because I feel like so many politicians are manipulative and deceitful and lie and don't speak the truth or deliberately manufacture and make up statistics deliberately, especially the, the mass media. Are you talking about the mainstream media or talking about politicians? Uh, A little bit of both. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) They're all in bed together. Let's have a party. But um, the thing about this, the issue for me is it's a, a change of heart. It's a, it's a heart, transformation they need need a twist they absolutely need this whole way of seeing and that only comes through i believe prayer and repentance and on our part to to pray for and to sacrifice and to because it's a supernatural change of the heart and the mindset and you know you you can argue in your mind all day long about these issues because sometimes i'll find myself driving down going i would have said this to this person or if someone said this i would have said that back or um our daughter got in an Instagram, um, it wasn't really an argument. It was more of evangelization with a Satanist. And, and Say that again, with a Satanist. Who, who went to Kennedy Catholic. <laughs> it was in their high school. <laughs> it's like, good Lord. Anyhow, um, it, it's prayer. And, and I love what she said. What did she say in our little... She sent out the text to the whole group. Yeah, she took a screenshot for us of to some of the conversation she was having with this woman who was coming after her pretty intensely because she was uh, celebrating and promoting that we ought to pray and fast that Roe versus Wade is uh, overturned. And that's where the conversation began. She was like, you really believe in the power of prayer and fasting? And she's like, yeah, I believe in the power of God. And the power of God becomes released in our lives when we pray and fast. That's what Jesus told us and what Jesus showed us. And she then went down a different trail and talked about just a horrific tragedy that hit her life. And she was very vulnerable and shared it um, to Mary Grace, who then immediately went to compassion. Because she was saying, God turned away from me, twisted away from me. And Mary Grace had the most powerful, beautiful answer about, you may not have seen the whole picture that God was there, and you may not have been able to see it at the time, but the whole story hasn't been written. And she talked about the 
the darkness of that event leading that leading her into Satanism. And Mary Grace went right after it and just said, I'm sure Satan was there. I'm sure Satan took advantage of that opportunity to lead you away from God right into demonic bondage. But I'm praying that you'll be set free from that and be led back to light, life, and healing. And I think there's so much bondage right now in our culture. And those people that are arguing to kill babies or to give the woman this quote-unquote choice, um, it's just a darkness that cannot be argued. It's a deception. It's a lie. Um, But it just can't be argued out of without great prayer. Anyhow, she said, Mary Grace is cute. She said in her little text, um, I posted some pro-life stuff, currently in conversation with the Satanist. She said, but lucky for her, someone gets to pray for her now. All of you can pray for her. And I just thought that was really sweet that she sees it as, oh, you just made yourself a target for intercessory prayer that we can unbind the darkness. That is so true. That is so, so true. When I have found that when I stand up for public as a public witness or when I have an unexpected negative happening in my life, I take it as my default reaction that the Lord is saying, I wanted your attention. I wanted you to pay attention to this person. This person needs prayer. This person, I want to enter, I want to break into this person's life. So now I, I've got your attention. You got to pray for this person. I think when people realize how Satan hates humanity, that when God created man, Satan was so jealous and so lonely in his anger, he set out to destroy mankind in their relationship with God. I think if people can begin just to see the supernatural uh, power of, of the darkness and the principalities that we fight against, that the enemy has been trying to trick humanity into deploy its all its resources to have us fall into the lies. I mean, there's so many lies around this issue, so many mysteries. I think that's why it's so hard to listen to news because there's so much lying constantly happening and just the temptation that follows that, that you want to get in the argument, you want to fight them, you want to... I even notice a lot of talk radio conservatives have become more harsh and more um, anger, angry towards their critics and towards the media I, I think they're frustrated because they feel like can't you see this line can't you see what's going on and they're not going to win it through arguing and getting more angry it's only through the supernatural power of god and him coming in and breaking through those hearts and minds well I, for me that's part of a stage it's part of a stage of growth uh and all i mean is this is that when you finally see the pro-life position get a hearing there's a way in which we just feel like it's going to win and we have to get through that before we realize there's more to it than just a presentation of a clear argument welcome back to sound insight this is tom Kern. it's great to be with you today i'm with my lovely wife carrie just before mother's day and carrie just before the break mentioning the way in which the way in which the culture today wants to misconstrue and how we think if we just present a clear case, a rational argument, that truth will win out, and it doesn't. It's not like that in so many cases for so many people. I mean, just look at all the areas where truth is not winning out. I mean, look at the whole transgender. You just think, oh, this is just basic logic. This makes so much sense. How have they taken it and run with it into darkness? And I think, again, you have to realize the enemy is really hoping and desiring that man will love sin, will love darkness, will love what they think is it's fun. I was telling my kids this the other day, I go, well, you do realize that sin is fun. Like some of us think, oh, why don't you just follow the commandments? You know, because that's really what's going to lead to a happy life. Well, let me tell you, having a few drinks, fornicating, uh, going out at night and breaking laws and all of that, there's a funness to it. There's an entertaining quality to it. It's a, and so, and I'm not talking about ease and sloth and all that. I'm just talking more about entering into those areas where the it's enemy- It's intensely satisfying. Well, and the ways, enemy has right? made these, these are, mm-hmm. that's why we pray, deliver us from temptation, from evil. And so in our mind and in our inexperience, we think, oh, this is so fun. This is so great. Not realizing that it's leading to brokenness and lying and deceit. And the, and, and the our Heavenly Father just says, 
Stay away from the company of, uh, of sinners. Do not commune with them. Do not, because you will be influenced. This is why we're so hesitant to put our kids in the company of kids that don't have faith, because they're so easily influenced into temptation, and into darkness. It happens. And, and God warns about that in Scripture, so it's not even that it's a psycho- psychological thing, although they prove it as well. You just will slowly get corrupted into darkness. And so the enemy, and I don't think we realize just what is at play here in the, the power of the supernatural, um, that the devil is trying to convince us that he and what he has to offer is more fun than the goodness of God. It's trying to replace the true beauty and goodness of our Heavenly Father, of Jesus coming and giving his all. And uh, that is a conversion that happens. And you can say it and talk about it, but when you experience a good Heavenly Father's love and, and his freedom, then you're like, oh, this is all for naught. This is, none of this can replace what God has to offer. Uh, I'll make it really simple. If your kids are out of school where the other students have typically unmonitored access to smartphones and the internet, your kids are being demonically influenced, led astray, and having sown into their lives destruction. They are being toxically impacted in how they see the world. And I I think, Tom, I think people might say, well, that sounds crazy. I think your mindset is off if you don't realize who the battle is against. Yeah, if the battle of abortion, the battle of transgender, the battle of our kids' salvation, my own salvation, that I have to fight against temptation. Well, I have to I, fight against so the I lies think, of the enemy. Absolutely. And I'm an adult and I'm mature and I know scripture and I know Christ, but even I have to fight every day to and follow Carrie, the Lord. How, de- how sometimes desensitized we are to the things that our kids are exposed to, even on movies that we're streaming or shows that we're streaming or videos that they're streaming, even though we monitor it, to a large degree, we manage it significantly, but because I think in part of our own desensitization to whether it's language or what they're exposed to in violence or sexuality, that there's a way in which we have um, allowed them to have that filth washed over them. I, th- I think here's part of it. When I talk about toxic filth, I think that most in, in demonic, uh, d- demonic disorientation and exposure, they're thinking really like really dark, evil sounds and voices and visions. No, I'm talking about clever, popular presentations that are supremely entertaining and seductive. Again, Satan tries to trick. So it's a trick. It's it's a it's a magic trick. It's you see this, but this is really happening. I just don't feel like parents we realize what we're up against. And it's not that God's not victorious in this and that we should fear or be afraid, but I just don't feel like, I think we're just too busy with life and having a fun time and the, where's the next vacation and where's the next trip and, and how we just, are we going to get to the next level? And we think it can't level? be that bad. It can't be that bad, really. It really can't be that, that bad. And there's a that's naive. Or it's, yeah, I'm just busy about my own thing. Or it's, you know, the stuff that they're being exposed to, it's not going to have that big of an impact on them. And it's so sadly too often too late or far down the road before intervention has to happen. Too many parents are just passive, right? You were listening to Sacred Heart Radio, um, or was it a podcast? It was a podcast with the Messy Parenting with uh, Dr. Ray Garendi, who's on Sacred Heart Radio. Oh, yeah. He was just saying how what parents are facing today versus what he was. He's a psychologist. So it's what he's dealing with today versus 20 years ago in families. And it's just devastated and rocked him. And he said the biggest, most uh, divisive thing that kids have nowadays is the phone. That that phone creates so much chaos. And, and not that this program's about the phone, but... He just said, don't do it. it. It it will cause extreme rebellion in your kids because they want it, want it, want it. Finally, you give it to them. And then within a year, their life is wrecked and you have to then take it away. You have to go nuclear. The kid wants to leave. They want to, you know, go live with someone else. They fall into the whole psychological counseling therapy that's all transgender and choosing this, that, and that. And it just, there's no good option at that point. And, you know, I have an answer. The Oaks. <laughs> no, I have an answer. Let's go, it's, like, live on, a like, an island in yeah, if, Africa if, somewhere. If you don't want to live in North I want to be, like, a missionary in Uganda yeah. or in somewhere just 
where there's no cell no. service, so here's <laughs> there's the thing. no possible, right. where you're just totally Hold detoxed on. from Hold your on. high school. Got it. The Got American it. high school is probably the worst place right. so for... So this is where I'm saying it's about the... Um, it's about surrounding your kids, especially in the tween and high school years, with other kids who are not dominated by smartphones, who may not even have smartphones, or whose smartphones are tremendously monitored, managed, and limited to communication devices. And that's the experience our kids have. We bring that up because we know how much is at stake. We care about other kids. We care about you parents who are trying to raise your kids. And I'm not saying move to Spokane and Coeur d'Alene unless you can. <laughs> and then, unless you can right? I don't think you've ever said this message before this is new this is <laughs> uh, I just when there's a lot at stake you take action in accord with what's at stake this is the basic message I said in my coaching but to think about the joy that we had going away um, for our spring break. Yes, we went to Sunkadia. It was awesome. We brought, was initially I was just going to bring 10 kids and have this great time. And then three other families came with us, four were going to come. One got sick. Um, so they got places and we played games and had competitions and did so many fun uh, outings, conversations, just a good time. And all of this just building towards being able to lay a foundation for when the time comes for evangelization, when the time comes to uh, create a space where you can speak truth and life into your kids. I cannot tell you how much goodwill I got from my kids after that trip. Just thank you, mom. Thank you so much, dad. Thank you for allowing this. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for us being here. We're just so blessed. I mean, and hearing them pray at night, hearing them proclaim the gospel, hearing them pray for people that don't know the Lord, that come to salvation, you see all the Christian influence. It's great. <laughs> but um, it was just really a blessing. It was such a blessing to go away and just, I didn't have to worry once what they were doing. Not once did I worry about kids anything. are sneaking off or nothing. Smoking, no, yeah, drugs, whatever, vaping. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you. It's just such a joy and such. And, and now I just take it for granted. Now I don't even right. realize how awful it is until I talk to my siblings and I think, "You're dealing with what?" And, and it's just like, "Oh my gosh, you guys, for your mental health, for just your own mental health as a parent, go find a place where you're not involved. Yeah, in, find a refuge." Seriously. Well, and I'm going to be over in one of those refuges. Re refuge refuges yeah refuge refugees in a refuge <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> i'll make a singular <laughs> uh, and that's our lady star of the sea in bremerton father lappy there is engaging i mean he is engaged and engaging as a holy priest who has a reverent liturgy has a school that he's filled up with those nashville dominicans and great teachers nice. and has so sponsored and supported the aquinas classical academy at the high school level and it is it's a magnet People come. They come because of community, because of fellowship, because they know they're going to find like-minded family and friends. And I mentioned I'm going to be over there because the Aquinas Classical Academy is having their fundraising dinner in two weeks, two weeks from today. I'm super excited to be there for that. In fact, tonight uh, is the silent auction, I think, and then tomorrow night is the auction, the dinner auction, I think. For the school, for, for the, the elementary. For the, for the, yeah, for the grade school at Our Lady Star of the Sea. Go to the website, go support it, or come on out to the Aquinas Classical Academy. Or um, come to the Oaks a Musical ooh, Spring yeah. Performance. Just go to theoaks.com. Hey, if you guys are coming this way, be in touch. Uh, we will welcome you. We will show you around. In fact, Carrie has this great idea. <laughs> well, I have, I have lots, lots of great ideas. Lots of great ideas. <laughs> but just to host a gathering for anyone that wants to come and just come and see. Come and see this whole Spokane Coeur d'Alene corridor and what it's like to meet other families who have made the move and just spend a time breathing fresh air. And my mom is coming next week with Christine. <gasps> nice. I, they've never been here and they're coming for the performance and grandparents day. And I'm so excited. That is awesome. Super excited. That's part of my Mother's Day gift. Thank can you, I, Dad. Can I slide that in? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you, Tom. All right, God bless you guys. Join me on Monday for more silence.